I would like to acknowledge that this podcast is being held on the traditional lands of the Noongar people. Hey all you cool cats and kittens. <laughs> Welcome to Avant Garde Macabre. I am Lily and I am your hostess with the leastest. I am a self-confessed pop culture historian. I'm neurodivergent as fuck and I have a few different special interests including the deep blue sea also unsolved mysteries but also scandals pop culture history and everything in between which is essentially what i will be flapping my chops about on this podcast and it goes without saying that all comments made on here are statements of fact personal opinions and information that has easily been gathered online and i just have to say that because like i'm not trying to get sued Assuming that like any famous people give a shit about this podcast that I'm like making in my bedroom and again like, I apologize for Sound production quality. It's probably not the best, but give me a fucking break Okay, now the formalities out of the way. Let's get straight into episode number one We are discussing the legendary Hollywood hotel the Chateau Marmont Now, you might not have heard of it, but I guarantee you've probably heard of some of the scandals that have happened there, or you might have even seen it featured in A Star Is Born. There have been so many scandals that have taken place here. People have died here. There's been famous photo shoots done here. And there's even a famous quote that people that stay there are either on their way up or on their way down. And yes, before you Google it, you can still stay here for roughly $1,200 per night. That's Australian. That's actually not that bad. It's kind of the price of like a root canal. I think it's cheaper actually. So the Chateau Marmont is located at 8821 Sunset Boulevard in California. The idea for the hotel was first conceived in 1926 by a well-known lawyer named Fred Horowitz. Our boy Fred had just returned from a European holiday and was inspired by the Chateau d'Ambois in France. The Chateau d'Ambois is the resting place of Leonardo da Vinci and is well known for its extravagant French Renaissance and Gothic architecture style. Fred wanted to create a space that was private but still accessible and boy did he deliver. As one studio boss once said to a group of emerging actors, if you want to be seen, go to the Beverly Hills Hotel. If you don't want to be seen, go to the Chateau Marmont. In 1927, Fred teamed up with his brother-in-law, Arnold Weitzman, to get busy on the design. They were joined by William Douglas Lee, an architect who was known for his Gothic and Renaissance revival eye. The hotel was to be seven stories tall and featured 63 rooms, as well as bungalows, suites and cottages. The hotel was built to be earthquake-proof and has survived five major earthquakes. When considering a name, Fred applied for Chateau Sunset or Chateau Hollywood, but both names were rejected. As the new hotel ran along a street named Marmont Lane, Chateau Marmont was born. In February 1929, the hotel opened its doors. One newspaper described it as Los Angeles' newest, finest, and most exclusive apartment house, 
superbly situated close enough to active businesses to be accessible and far away enough to ensure privacy. All was going well until it wasn't. The stock market soon crashed with Black Tuesday happening only after seven months. Fred was forced to sell his beloved hotel. The hotel was sold in 1931 to real estate developer and studio boss Albert E. Smith for $750,000. Smith saw the hotel as a cash cow for the impending 1932 Olympics. He added private bungalows and apartments and furnished the place with beautiful antique furniture from estate sales from the Great Depression. During this time, the hotel was even managed by a famous retired silent film actress. Her name was Anne Little. It was said that during her time working there, she rarely spoke about her time in the film industry. Then in 1933, one of the first notable celebrities moved into the chateau, Jean Harlow. Jean Harlow was a stunning blonde 22-year-old starlet already in her third unhappy marriage to cinematographer Harold Rosson. And just a side note as well, you might have seen the movie The Aviator by Scorsese. So Gwen Stefani portrayed Harlow in that movie. So Jean and her husband conveniently rented two rooms. It was rumored that Harlow used the separate living situation to entertain other men, including actor Clark Gable. In 1934, an up and coming writer named Billy Wilder fled Nazi occupied Germany and stayed at the chateau. He could only afford to stay in the cheapest and also windowless room. When he returned from a trip overseas, all of the rooms were taken. Billy was able to bargain and stay in a tiny closet-sized room that was connected to the lobby's ladies' toilets. Billy Wilder went on to create the legendary Marilyn Monroe films Some Like It Hot and The Seven Year Itch. When he returned later down the track, he was able to afford the nicest room they had with a view. Damn, Billy had a glow up. Go off, bestie. Billy really came back like, I got money now. I got money. As World War II hit, the hotel was sold to Erwin Bratauer. I so butchered that, sorry. Erwin was a German banker who despised the Nazis. Due to his experience seeing discrimination firsthand, Erwin began allowing black guests entry. Previously, people of color were barred from entering five-star hotels. It's been rumored that Duke Ellington used to play piano in the foyer and even wrote his music while staying there. Irwin also added a swimming pool and spruced the place up. Closeted gay actors were also not discriminated against at the hotel. Not all was sunshine and rainbows at the hotel though. Director Howard Hughes would spy on women in bikinis with binoculars and was openly racist towards black guests and staff. <laughs> I just think that's the most rogue legacy to leave behind. Like, not only are you <laughs> known for being, like, openly racist towards staff, but, like, spying on the girls in bikinis with binoculars, like you're fucking from the movie Disturbia. Get a grip. So, it's also no secret that one of the most famous films of all time, Rebel Without a Cause, was rehearsed and created at the hotel. Director Nicholas Ray moved there in 1952 uh, oh my god, shit. 
I'm so sorry. I don't know how to edit that out. Let's just carry on. So, director Nicholas Ray moved there in 1952 after catching his then wife, actress Gloria Graham, in bed with his then 13-year-old son from his first marriage. Wait a second. So, he found his 13-year-old son in bed with his wife. That wasn't his son's mother, obviously. That is so unfortunate. <laughs> that is so bad. Okay, so you think that poor Nick would then learn his lesson from this fiasco, but no. He then went on to groom the underage stars of his famous film, Natalie Wood and Sal Minio. This weird ass prick was probably like, oh, well, you know, I had it happen to me. I might as well just do it now. So Nicholas was known for hosting rehearsals and parties in his bungalow. At one of these parties, Natalie Wood began flirting with fellow actor Dennis Hopper. The two left the hotel and on their way back, they got into a car accident. So another star that was known to frequent the hotel was Desi Arnaz. So Desi Arnaz was married to his co-star from I Love Lucy, Lucille Ball. Desi was just an all-round piece of shit and he was known to repeatedly cheat on our girl Lucille. When she would find out, she would kick him out and he would be banished to the Chateau Marmont. Legend has it, the famous couple were once arguing on his balcony when a suitcase filled with cash was thrown. It began literally raining money over them. God, I wish that were me. This period of time at the hotel was particularly crazy. Here are some more just random little facts. Montgomery Cliff used the hotel to recover there in 1956 after a terrible accident leaving Elizabeth Taylor's house. Errol Flynn, in a drunken stupor, had a psychotic rampage there in Bungalow 3, two weeks before his death. And before she was Princess of Monaco, Grace Kelly was known to pester reception for the names of hot guests. <laughs> this next tale is so iconic, it actually hurts. In 1958, Betty Davis was watching a movie in her room, cigarette in hand, when she fell asleep. Luckily, a fellow actor staying next door saw the smoke radiating from her room and called for help. The hotel had to be evacuated, but a couple of years <laughs> later, she nearly, <laughs> she nearly burnt the place down again. She's got Betty Davis ass. By the 1960s, the hotel was no longer considered the epitome of elegance. It was described as shabby and run down. Led Zeppelin stayed there in 1968 and engaged in debauchery. The band members stole a food cart and used it to transport naked girls. Like where though? Where are they transporting them? The partying was so loud they eventually had to be moved to a bungalow. Richard Harris got a lifetime ban from the hotel for returning intoxicated one night and banging on guest doors screaming that an atomic bomb had just gone off. One year before his death in 1970, Jim Morrison stayed there and was known for jumping across balconies using trees. This is how he fell two stories. Like Azealia Banks says, that is such meth-fueled behavior. Like what, can you get, get the hell down from there, Jim? In 1968, the Velvet Underground lived there while recording their namesake album, and it was also the final place Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski lived in. Oh, Roman Polanski. Before they moved into the house where she would be murdered in. They would host parties and invite Jack Nicholson and Mia Thurrow. Oh, 
I hope Mia Farrow left that decrepit asshole at home. What's his name? Oh, Woody Allen, he's so gross. And Jack Nicholson and Roman Polanski. That's like a real triple threat of like pieces of shit. So in 1972, the hotel was up for sale and took two years to sell. A builder named Raymond Sarlot bought it and he was intent on knocking it down. However, after the demise of his own marriage, he ended up moving in and began repairing it. The hotel was soon given back its former glory. Now this is probably the most infamous story about the hotel. Comedian John Belushi was 33 years old when he checked into the hotel in February 1982. A rampant drug addict, his best friend Dan Aykroyd tried to have an intervention. Belushi's habit was so bad that it was rumoured that he would spend upwards of $2,500 per week. On March 5th, 1982, Belushi was found dead in his room with a needle mark in his arm. The cause of death was determined to be a speedball also known as a lethal dose of cocaine and heroin. A woman named Kathy Smith was later charged with involuntary manslaughter for shooting him up. Robin Williams and Robert De Niro were some of the last people to see him alive. Rick James and Jean-Michel Basquiat asked to be put in his death room when they later went on to visit the hotel themselves. So, in 1992, the hotel was sold again to a New York investor named Andre Bellas. Andre got to work adding a restaurant, gym, bar, and made staff sign non-disclosure agreements. Scarlett Johansson and Benicio Del Toro went to the hotel after the 2004 Oscars. They reportedly had sex in the hotel's lift. I feel like that was during ScarJo's heyday, before she you know, was rumoured to be playing Harriet Tubman. She is such a shapeshifter. And long before his cancellation, Johnny Depp was introduced to the hotel by writer Hunter S. Thompson. He once bragged that him and his then girlfriend, Kate Moss, had had sex in every single room in the hotel. And it wouldn't be a true Hollywood story without the mention of our queen, Britney Spears. On one fateful night in 2007, Britney Spears was in the midst of a psychotic breakdown at the hotel's restaurant. Britney began smearing food all over her face while concerned onlookers, including Victoria Beckham, looked on. Poor Britney. I feel like Victoria Beckham would be the worst person to be having like a psychotic break in front of two. She would be so judgmental with her pursed lips. Oh, brilliant. Another infamous scandal was Lindsay Lohan when she famously took up residence there in 2012 and she hosted a fabulous Independence Day party in room 33. The total bill for the day came to $3,563.67. Over her time living there, Lohan racked up a bill of $46,350 four cents which spanned 16 pages of invoices she also apparently once got into a screaming match with avril lavigne in the restaurant which ended up with her storming out and upset that no one had kicked out avril so one of the most famous i guess photos that have come from this hotel have been taken by helmut newton so legendary photographer helmut newton was known for frequenting and shooting at chateau marmont 
In 2004, Newton suffered a heart attack, causing him to lose control of his car and crash into a wall, dying on impact. And in 2017, the New York Times published an article about the Me Too movement. It was alleged that Mario Testino had used the hotel as his chosen place for committing sexual assaults against models. Some other notable people that have stayed at the famous hotel include Anthony Bourdain, rest in peace, F. Scott Fitzgerald, Courtney Love, Tim Burton and Lana Del Rey. Of fucking course Lana's esoteric ass went to the Chateau Marmont and romanticised it. Like of course, are we surprised? The book was also mentioned in Charles Bukowski's 1989 novel, Hollywood. The 2010 film Somewhere by Sofia Coppola was filmed there, and Miley Cyrus referenced it in her 2020 song, Plastic Hearts. Whew. So that is pretty much all the information I have on this absolutely cursed hotel. And just to finish off, I've got a classic fuck one, marry one, kill one featuring Ellen DeGeneres, Jack Black and Steve Buscemi. Thank you, Lucy, for the suggestion. Okay, so obviously with that fucking question, I'm killing Ellen DeGeneres. Like, not like, not even, not even a conversation. I feel like I want to marry Jack Black and I feel like I probably smash Steve Buscemi but those bo they can both be pretty interchangeable I think Steve Buscemi is so sweet I remember hearing during 9-11 that he went and like volunteered as because he used to be a fire fire truck not fire truck fire <laughs> firefighter oh what a sweetie and those eyes like the double-lidded eyes Ugh, Mr. Pink Okay, well I hope you all enjoyed that very first episode and I hope you're all looking forward to next week's episode. Feel free to message me if you have any suggestions and don't forget to follow and yeah, whatever else. If she don't call you daddy, she gon' call me